many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. What's up, guys? It's Boomer Anderson here, your host of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. I want to take this time and say thank you today for listening. Your precious podcast time could be spent in so many places, but you're listening here today to me. The purpose of this podcast is to really look at the vast world of health. We go all the way out to the fringes and back to the mainstream. I bring on experts to separate true from false and to give you bite-sized pieces of actionable information, which you can use in your everyday life. But first, before we get into today's episode, let's have a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive. If you've been following the quantified self space for a while now, you're familiar with microbiome testing. As a community, and by community I mean world, we're becoming increasingly aware about the links between our gut and our overall health. Frankly, this is what brought me to microbiome testing in the first place. Like so many of you, I grew up in a family full of antibiotics, and I traveled and lived abroad extensively. I found my gut, after a while, to be the equivalent of a desert wasteland. To optimize my whole biosphere, I began to focus on my gut. In the eternal words of management consultant Peter Drucker, what gets measured gets managed. I began testing my gut microbiome. There are a lot of options out there, but I chose to use Thrive most often. Why? Well, mainly accuracy is a big thing for me, but also the process behind the test. Not only do I get the information about the bacteria in my gut, but Thrive includes the scientific research behind each of the test findings. This is extremely important to people like me. Based on the test, Thrive also creates custom probiotics which are delivered refrigerated to your door. I emphasize that refrigerated part. We've had the founder, Richard Lynn, on the podcast, so if you want to learn more, I suggest you start with that episode. Or you can go straight to Thrive Inside, that's T-H-R-Y-B-E, inside, I-N-S-I-D-E dot com, and you can use the code D-E superhuman 15 for a 15% discount on your first order. My guest today is Peter Yostin. Peter is the founder of Project Leven.nl. That's Project L-E-V-E-N.nl. He produces weekly biohacking technology and health articles. In addition, he is a speaker and an advisor and a trend watcher at various companies and institutions. His show, The Project Life Show, is an iTunes Top 100 show where he interviews different experts about health, lifestyle, and technological developments. He's been featured here in the Netherlands on national television, newspapers, and magazines. This podcast was a lot of fun for me. We talk about focus and really how to focus. We talk about what Peter does to prepare for speeches, how he gets a lot done in a short amount of time, and how he utilizes deep work to better his productivity. The title of this podcast is Biohacking Focus. So I hope you get a lot out of this today. And as always, you can find more in the show notes. These show notes will be found at decodingsuperhuman.com backslash project life. That's L-I-F-E. Thank you again for listening and enjoy the show. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks, Boomer. It's really great to be here. I'm so glad you're here because it's kind of funny. Just before we get started with all these questions that I have for you today, I think I want to share with everybody just sort of how we met because I've heard of the legend of Peter for a very <laughs> long time from uh, 
you know, Dan Guter, who of course is a guest on the podcast every once in a while and just sort of works with me on occasion. But, you know, it was finally, you know, one of these meetups that we went to, I believe it was in Utrecht, mm -hmm. where you and I connected and, uh, you know, had the opportunity to also hang out in Helsinki at the Biohacker Summit. So it was great to finally meet the legend known as Peter Joosten. Yeah, I was looking forward to it. Um, yeah, we have such a similar interest and we're talking about it on yeah on both a fundamental level and also about a more practical level so it's great to be on your podcast and thank you and the honor is all all mine of course but um let's kick things off with uh something you told me about can you talk a little bit about the chip that's in your arm and why you decided to get it yeah that's a great question um i have a chip in my hand uh, in my left hand it's really small. It's a NFC technologies or near field communication. So right now I have my contact information on, on the chip. So it's not measuring anything. It's not measuring any biomarkers, etc. But I think the future of medicine, the future of technology is progressing. Now we're uh, wearing a ring or a activity tracker or a wearable on our body. But I think next, next step will be that we'll be wearing them in our body. And one of those de developments in biohacking is uh, 3D bioprinting, artificial intelligence, but also do-it-yourself grinding. And do-it-yourself grinding is where real biohackers put electronics in their body. So I was fascinated by this development and this kind of subculture. And then I think one year ago, yeah, one year ago, I got an email from a television program in the Netherlands uh, and they had an item about biohacking. Uh, and then I discussed with the um, with the reporter what we should what we could do, uh, and I did so. We can do some uh, some ice plunge or drink bulletproof coffee or other things. And then I said, well, I'm a little bit in doubt if I should have a chip implant. And then they said, wow, <laughs> this is awesome television. <laughs> Let's do that. So I was on national television. You can also see the footage in which I get the NFC chip implant in my hand. So this was rather uh, nice. You picked a very unique topic because the ice plunge, uh, you know, Wim Hof's beat you to that one. And Bulletproof Coffee, I think, is worldwide now. But wow, uh, <laughs> the chip in the arm. I could see so many broad applications for that. And I imagine that we're going to get a lot of users kind of scared as well. Yeah. Um, but it's something that we can tackle in the, in the future, maybe in another episode, actually. All right, so let's take a little step back now. Why don't you tell the audience exactly what is Project Leaven? Yeah, Project Leaven, is, uh, it's, in, it's a Dutch name, but you can, um, it's actually Project Life, if you want to translate it to, uh, uh, to English. And it all started about four and a half years ago. I'm a very active athlete, not on a professional level, but on an amateur level. So I do running and cycling. And now I combine it with CrossFit. But by the time I was really into running. Uh, and then I was really, I really like to not only do the running, but also do the measurements and test all kinds of devices, like a new Garmin or Polar or Suunto or whatever. And then one time, one of the... Either the heart rate was not registered or the GPS was not working. And I became so frustrated with that, that I thought, well, I really should do something with it. So I just started blogging about testing and reviewing all those sports watches and apps, etc. And then I came into contact with Quantified Cell. And I saw that there are a whole community all around the world 
with people, testing all kinds of things about their life and giving presentations about it. And that's really where Project Leven started. And then three years ago, uh, friends are, uh, were asking me, well, Peter, that's really nice qualified self. And yeah, you're measuring and you get all those data, but what can you do with it? And then, then I heard about biohacking and that's, yeah, that's when I segue into also into biohacking. And uh, I also have a podcast and a YouTube channel. So it's kind of expanded from the beginning. A little Project 11, 11 Empire, if you will. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so it all started with sort of the, the basic tracking your heart rates, you know, trying to stay in probably that target heart rate range. And then it progressed more into an interest in the biohacking. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. That's a nice summary, Boomer. Yeah. As a, a fellow, I guess you can call me a biohacker as well. I have to ask, what's the craziest experiment you've ever performed on yourself? Yeah, that's a good question because one of the main things about my blog is that I'm performing uh, a monthly experiment. So for one month, I try to do something every day, like for example, meditate every day or test all kinds of diets from vegan, raw vegan, paleo, bulletproof, etc. I think one of the interesting things that you actually convinced me to try when we were in Finland was was it Amber Night? Yeah. And I guess for the Americans out there, this is the equivalent of Soylent. Because you live for an entire month just on that drink, right? Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Which I find amazing and very hard to do myself well it was more it was more mentally a challenge not per se physically because i yeah my training went well i had a lot of focus but it's really um strange and also sometimes difficult in my relationship like when my girlfriend she's uh, making dishes and um, she's yeah she's sitting at the table with her yeah, with her dinner and i'm just sitting there with a yeah, <laughs> my shape. Your cup full of powder. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's so that's yeah, it was really interesting. And and one of the things I learned about that experiment is that I think it's not per se that good to completely live on it. But for example, when I get you, uh, get on a plane or when I'm in a hurry, I think it's really it's it's a better replacement for your meal than when you just get out and go to. Uh, to a mcdonald's or whatever well the example you gave of mcdonald's of course yeah <laughs> absolutely uh but i completely agree with you it's a great meal replacement and one of the things you just brought up is my kind of fundamental issue with that soylent movement is that yes it's a great substitute for a snack when you're on a go and it's a lot better nutritionally than most of those meal replacement shakes you see out there but in terms of the social aspect of eating, you're taking that away when it becomes a drink, or at least in my opinion. Yeah, let's get back to your weirdest experiment. <laughs> I think uh, like this afternoon, I also gave a lecture and I also mentioned the experiments I did. And I also always get the most reaction when I tell about the, about the cold shower experiment that was like four years ago. Uh, it was uh, yeah, I like. I'm a little bit proud to say it, but this was really before Wim Hof really came into the media, etc. Mm -hmm. But I also did like uh, one month without an orgasm, which was right. Um, yeah, I'm sure, your girlfriend loved that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she said. Well, she said uh, her her advice, if you like to call it that way, she said. Well, I think it's good if every man tries this for. Now, let's say not a month, but for one week, because you really get aware about yeah some of the 
uh, subconscious beliefs or routines you have about sexuality. So I, yeah, I think that's a nice example. And I also did a five-day fast last year and also this year. Okay, before we go on to to my next question, which is a little bit more on the sleeping side of things, I, I wanted to just talk a little bit about five-day fasting uh, because I know there's a few listeners here and myself included, who regularly practice this concept of intermittent fasting. Do you mind just talking a little bit about your experience with the five-day yeah, sure. fast? You know, was it difficult? What kind of results were you looking to achieve, and what did you ultimately feel? Well, first of all, I heard about the theory that it's, um, yeah, that's beneficial for your body, like uh, autophagy, autophagy and other processes. Mm-hmm. That's the research of Walter Long. Yeah, I yeah, believe, yeah. Right? I also believe it because I did some research about what are the effects, and 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 there's a whole theory about cancer development, and it's really good to yeah with, withdraw from food for a couple of days. Uh, and I was primarily interested if I could make it for five days and how I f- how I felt and uh, what is. Uh, how long would it take me to get into ketosis? So I did the urine strips and I had a breath meter. So you breathe into a mm-hmm. device and it measures your ketone levels. And what I found mostly interesting is that I could make it for five days and that I expected that after five days I would really eat a whole, I don't know, pizzeria or something. <laughs> but actually I was not yeah, I, I, of course, I, I, I ate a little bit more, but not that much. And it took, I think, uh, one and a half days before I really got into uh, above the threshold of ketosis. So one and a half days you're in yeah, ketosis. That was, yeah, that was for me at least. Uh, and that was also about the most difficult time of the experiment. So after one and a half days, two days, when I got past that, like day three and four are comparably more easier than uh, than the first two and then on the fifth day i was like okay i'm near the finish line i want to eat again and i also noticed that it's good during my first experiment i had some obligations so i had to give a talk somewhere and i think that's not a good combination so you really should <laughs> withdraw yourself from any lectures or sport events or etc and what i last last thing what i also find very interested because i'm I was also uh, obliged to to take it easy because my body asked me to do it more uh, not, to the not that much for me, and it really was also a kind of mental fast because I really had to take it slow and yeah, it was a kind of nice effect uh, by by effect. I mean, yeah. For me, and one of the points you you mentioned really rang home with me. The first time I ever started intermittent fasting was probably one of the most stressful weeks of my life. And I had just back-to-back meetings. I was traveling all the time. And just for people out there, and maybe I wonder if you agree with this, Peter, is starting fasting in the middle of a very stressful period only can make it more stressful. It's probably best for a lot of people to start it in a little bit of a more relaxed period. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely my advice. I think it's good. I think you. it's not necessarily that you start with five-day fast from not nowhere <laughs> start. yeah five day fast aren't for everyone like <laughs> no you build up to that one no you really should start with like uh skipping breakfast and then skipping breakfast and lunch and then do a whole day and maybe you know, one and a half days 
And then after time, when you schedule it in your agenda, so you don't have any lectures, sports, or meetings, etc., you can do a five. You can do a five-day fast. Yeah. Okay. Let's segue over into a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It's how to balance sleep and productivity. And one of my favorite articles on your website is about lucid dreaming. Do you mind just giving the audience a little bit of an overview? Because we have a lot of hard driving people <laughs> here that listen to this. And well, like a lot of hard driving people, we struggle sometimes with sort of the utility of sleep. And one of the ways that you can still get things done while you're sleeping is lucid dreaming. Yeah. Do you mind just touching a little bit on lucid dreaming and you know what it is and how people may want to yeah, toy yeah, with sure. it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, lucid dreaming was also one experiment I did. This was a monthly experiment in which I try how can I actually do lucid dreaming. And lucid dreaming is uh, when you sleep, but during your sleep you dream. And during your dream, you are aware that you're dreaming. So you can actively do things in your dream. So you can fly or go to another country in your dream or practice your lecture or <laughs> doing some training mentally. So it's really effective to make more use of your sleeping time. I find it difficult to reach because, but you have a, um, yeah, some, some tips or some advice to help you get into lucid dreaming. And one of the things is to be aware during the day if you are awake or asleep because you when you get into the routine of thinking it during the day hey peter am i awake or am i asleep then you also will do it when you're dreaming and when you're dreaming and you're thinking oh am i awake or am i dreaming then it can be the point in which you think oh wow i'm dreaming and now i can do things in my dream uh, so that's important and also when you go to sleep you should start with an intention like okay this night i want to do lucid dreaming um, so you really get into it's more a mindset thing I think mm-hmm. to get into the uh, to the lucid dreaming, and you can help it a little bit with some supplements. So I tried for myself Upercin A and melatonin, and for okay. me Upercin A was more effective than melatonin. But also one of the things I found out is um, at least when I get into got into lucid dreaming is when you have the have a relatively long night. So when you really have it's in the last part of of my my sleep in a, in a long night and i get into lucid dreaming so it it takes some practice but it's really a cool technique i think so i have a question for you because lucid dreaming is one of those things that i've i've tried to experiment with i didn't do the full month like you did which it sounds like i need to do but i've heard strategies from everything to forcing yourself to wake up in the middle of the night and then go back to sleep to avidly journaling as soon as you wake up in the morning. Do you employ any of those strategies? And if so, I guess if you're waking up in the middle of the night, does it affect your day the next day? Because you can interrupt a, a sleep cycle, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's where you have to weigh things off because uh, I also tried those things, you, the strategies you, you, you taught. Like, for example, when you have a, a, a set your alarm about six hours after you go to sleep. Um, and that's one of the things I did not find very convenient. Just like when you told, when you, when you said it's also has a, yeah, you also want to have a good night of sleep. <laughs> and it's not, yeah. 
But the other thing I, I, I also do, like when I, when I wake up, I immediately write down what I was dreaming. So that's also one of the things, because then you get aware of your dreams and that's the first step to go into lucid dreaming. So one of the two strategies I actively uh, pursue, yeah. Peter, do you mind sharing with, with us just sort of your top strategies for increasing focus? Yeah, sure. And it's funny that you asked the question because this last week I was in the Dutch version of Men's Health about, and not on the cover, but on the, it was an article about nootropics. Mm -hmm. So I find nootropics really fascinating. Oh, we can talk but for I, days about nootropics. <laughs> Maybe we should do another time. Yeah, if you come over, the, the basket below me is full of those kind of things. But we, we can talk about, <laughs> that's probably another episode in itself. Yeah, I think so. The, the main problem with nootropics is that people think it's a silver bullet. So I think you're, you're, the, the fundamentals should be in place. So I, like you have to care about your food. You have to do regular movement during the day. Like, for example, you, I think you are standing right now. I'm also standing. Yeah. Just to, uh, Kelly Surrett uh, once told me your, your best move is your next move. So keep on moving. Absolutely. Do my, do my burpees every couple of minutes. And, ah, and awesome. <laughs> and the same with breathing like a, a good belly breath or diaphragma breathing like these things and a good night of sleep should be in place before you get into nootropics so i think that's yeah i think that's really fundamental but i think it's really important to stress do you mind real quick before we we talk we're talking about the base of the pyramid right and one of the things you mentioned is breathing i have an article on our website about breathing but Diaphragmatic breathing is something that people I, I find maybe don't understand or don't realize that they're mm -hmm. doing wrong. Do you mind just walking through what a proper breath would actually look like to those listening? Yeah, I think um, br breathing is really interesting because you do it every day, all day, <laughs> continuously. But Well, hopefully, <laughs> otherwise you have a problem. Yeah, that's true. But you really have, uh, uh, and I think uh, at the Biohacker Summit, Kasper van der Meulen also gave a great talk about it because it, he told if you're not aware or in a stressful situation, you, yeah, you breathe high into your chest, and, but you actually have a muscle, the diaphragma, and it's right below your, uh, what's the name again? The, it's right, right by your rib cage, right? Yeah, so. yeah and it's a good, um, good way for people, I think not if you're driving, but <laughs> when you're listening to this podcast while you're walking or something, just to get your hands not only in the front of your diaphragma, but also at the same position at the back. But if you have a proper breathing, you should also feel it extract at the back. So you're really using the full muscle, the diaphragma muscle, to suck in all the air, to transport it to your organs and to the rest of your body. We, particularly in the West and sometimes in American societies in particular, uh, we don't really focus on our breathing that much. And it's a very simple way to reset your nervous system when we're all so hard driving, hard going all the time, and we're constantly activating the sympathetic nervous system. Well, sometimes you need to shut off. Now, whether that's before bed or you're ready to give a big speech, really focusing on that breath, it does matter. And hopefully everybody reverts to a diaphragmatic breath. At some yeah, point. that's really good what you're saying, because I used to think that uh, your breathing reacts to your uh, current state. 
Like when I'm stressed, I'm breathing like this. When I'm relaxed, I'm breathing like this. But you can also use the other way around. It's not a one-way street. It's you can also use the like I told you about the lecture I gave this afternoon. I also before I went on stage, so always a little scary. I yeah, I really focused on my breath to get myself into a more relaxed and focused state of mind. We diverted again. <laughs> and we were talking about that base of the pyramid in terms of getting focus right. And you touched on breathing, sleeping, nutrition. Did you want to start to keep building that pyramid? Yeah, I think one of the um, the things I also experiment with are also topics <laughs> for one hour separately. But I think nootropics uh, are really good to, um, to test with. I also did some experiments with binaural beats or... Okay. Why not? Do you mind just explaining to the audience what binaural beats are? Yeah, binaural beats, they're not fully scientific, scientifically um, studied. Or, but the, the fundamental is that you have a, a, a kind of fre uh, frequency in your left ear and another frequency in your right ear. And the difference between frequencies is also um, uh, stimulates a certain kind of brainwave. So you can use binaural beats. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. It's free, completely free. Yeah, really force yourself, maybe just like your breathing, to get into a focused state. Or you can also listen to it before you go to sleep, because that's when you go to sleep. There's also another brain wave produced in your 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 brain. So you can use uh, sounds to really give your mental state uh, a little push in, into the right direction. On the nootropic side. Any particular favorites? Well, um, I'm uh, mostly uh, using brands that are available on the Dutch market. Okay. And for me, it kind of depends on my day. So I have a, a, a nootropic which I use when just doing my regular uh, podcast interviews or doing writing articles or etc. And I also have some nootropics which I use when I have to give a lecture. For example, I use uh, Panero Mix. Because I noticed that it gives me more verbal capabilities or, yeah, it's, it gives a little more edge to, to, to that part of my, uh, my brain. So, yeah, I'm, I'm testing with it. I'm experimenting with it and I try to use it on different occasions. Excellent. So you have different nootropics for different occasions. Yeah, I don't know. What, what's your favorite nootropic? My favorite is definitely Qualia. I use it pretty well five out of seven days a week, and it's just a complete nootropic to me. Uh, but it also replaced, I, I'm sure you're one of these people who's experimented with a lot of supplements. For me, Qualia replaced probably a hundred plus dollars a month of supplements I was buying. And Qualia has just a number of different ingredients in it that have not only enhanced my focus, but I think overall have brought my energy levels to a more consistent level throughout the day, which I enjoy quite a bit. Yeah, that's awesome because I think that's a good point you're making. I think nootropics are not only about cognitive function, but I also see in nootropics some ingredients which give you a more happy state or so make you more resilient or so I've, it's a broad spectrum of possibilities, actually. This isn't we're not talking about NZT, if you remember Bradley Cooper and Limitless, right? <laughs> You're not going to pop a pill and all of a sudden be speaking Japanese. It does enhance your cognition, but only if you, you know, you can't have a Big Mac and, you know, slurp down 64 ounces of Coca-Cola and then expect the pill to wipe away all of your ills. 
what we're talking about really is building the foundations first, getting rid of that brain fog, and then layering on the good bricks on top of it. So yeah, to yeah, that's a good summary. Yeah, that's really my, my, my main point, actually, yeah. This is, this is great. Anything further on the focus before we, we wrap things up? Well, um, we were talking in, uh, about it before uh, we, you hit record, but I'm now reading a book, Deep Work. By Cole oh, yeah. Let's, let's talk a lot about Deep Work because I love this book, by the way. Yeah, it's, it really struck my mind because I'm, as a blogger and podcaster, I'm really busy with social media and responding to messages and email, etc. But this book really... Has, has an impact on me because I, I think if I really want to contribute about the imp impact of biohacking on, on society and companies, I think I have to do more deep work. Yeah, just like the, just about, just like the same with nootropics. You can do all kinds of things in your life to have an excellent uh, uh, food, nootropics, etc. But when you're getting constantly distracted by technology, I think you will not achieve quality in your service or in your product which is possible so deep work is really yeah it fascinates me and so do you mind just walking through some of the things you may have learned so far out of cal newport's book yeah yeah sure he makes the case about the importance of deep work and that we're now more and more living in a society where deep work is highly rewarded but it becomes less available so there are a lot of people not they're into shallow work as he calls it and he makes a lot of i think really good arguments about his case mm -hmm. and then he gets into different strategies so he has like the monoistic the dualistic and the journalistic approach i think mm -hmm. and so you have to find out what suits you because the monolistic approach is where you put yourself into a cabin in the woods for five days yeah you five. do a little henry david thoreau and go out to walton <laughs> pond <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I, so I think for the audience, that's not per se that applicable. But I was, I'm really making changes in the use of my Google Calendar, for example, in which I block time in the morning from 8 till 1 o'clock, in which I, I'm really doing deep work. So no social media, no email. Uh, actually, I sometimes feel that I really have to be aware of my email every day all the time but he makes a compelling case that it's not that necessary uh, clients are not getting mad if you answer their email uh, not directly or in 10 minutes but a couple of hours later yeah it's email i am kind of a victim of my own beliefs like you said i really have to respond now and be aware but i think it's for the better if more people focus on their deep work so if somebody wanted to try this let's say, and just try and implement it tomorrow. What are a couple of like key tidbits that you would give them? You know, the one that comes to mind for me is putting my phone in airplane mode until a specific time during the day. But any particular ones that you found have helped out a lot? The phone is a, is a nice example. I would also say you can, uh, you can use technology. Like I have a couple of Chrome plugins like I have uh, the Facebook news, Newsfeed Eradicator. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, so that you don't see the timeline on Facebook if you go to Facebook, but you can use all the other functions. I also use a lot of Pomodoro techniques. So during a Pomodoro, I'm also restricted not to use all kinds of websites, but only my professional ones. And I think also, yeah, getting a timer and yeah, say to yourself, 
when it's the one o'clock or 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock or whatever, then I'm allowed to do my batch, my email. And I think that are one of yeah the fundamental things to start with deep work. Well, that's super helpful, Peter. I imagine a lot of people are going to attempt to do this at least. <laughs> uh, so it's not, it's not as easy as it seems. No, no. And, you know, but I encourage everybody to do a lot more of it because we as a society are becoming a lot more distracted on a day-to-day basis. You know, thank you so much for your time. Where can people find more about you, Peter? Well, um, the Dutch listeners can go to uh, peteroosten.net. That's more about my trend watching and technology, etc., and my lectures. Um, And on projectleven.nl, I write about biohacking and uh, training and CrossFit and health, etc. I have a podcast, the Project Leven Show. It's also in Dutch. But I think what's most interesting for the international audience is my YouTube channel, Project Leven. Uh, and you can see interviews uh, I did, for example, with Rhonda Patrick, uh, with you, <laughs> with Bob Troya, with Livio Babic, who has a compass, electronic compass in his, uh, in his body. Uh, so did an interview with Timu Arina, Ben Greenfield. So my YouTube channel is like the international biohacking YouTube channel. So Awesome. And we'll link to all of this stuff in the show notes. So Peter, thanks again for coming on the show. Been a fantastic couple of months getting to know you. And I look forward to further conversations with you. Maybe we'll have you back on one of these days to talk a little bit more about nootropics. Yeah, that would be nice. And yeah, I think we see each other again during one of the meetups in uh, Utrecht or Amsterdam or somewhere else. So uh, I'm I'm sure we'll cross paths a lot. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, you have yourself an awesome day, Peter. I appreciate it. You too, Boomer. Thanks for having me on. Hey, guys, did you enjoy that episode with Peter? Well, I hope you did. I hope you got a lot of information out of it. If you could do me a favor, can you go over to iTunes just before you leave and leave us a five-star review? It'd really do me a lot of service and a lot of help in getting the word out about Decoding Superhuman. Thank you very much and have an awesome and epic day.